Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Who let the dogs out? Who? 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 Who, who let the dogs out? Who? 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 Who let the dogs out? Who? Is there any other words to the song? I think there's a whole song, actually, but that's all I know from it. Who? Ooh, ooh, ooh. That's also what dogs dogs do not sound like that. <laughs> that we both like have dogs. Football guys going like right before the, the hike. Yeah, they're yeah. getting ready. Yeah. <laughs> they're like break and they're like doing they're just singing with the dogs out. That's actually a really intimidating frontline thing to do. Maybe they should do that. What's up, we'll everybody? Have to ask Cash about it. <laughs> you just he'll be like no. So dude. disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, everybody? You're watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Today, we are breaking down uh, the first ever budget deck tech that I've ever done. Really exciting. Uh, I mean, we do them for the the upgrade series, for right. the pre-cons, but I don't... Yeah, you're right. I don't think we've ever done like a full-on deck tech for a budget deck. Yeah, and it was, it was kind of fun. Uh, it was very challenging, and I set the limit that every single card outside of the commanders themselves had to be under a dollar. And this is, who are the commanders? Ooh, the commanders are Paco and Haldan. So this is our good boy fetch couple, uh, basically getting cards from other people's decks, teamer, as well as your own decks. Uh, and this was a lot of fun. I have to give a lot of credit to Mitch now, having done it and sat there and just pulling my hair out going like, how do I make this work? Yeah, you can't go to your regular staple cards that we always use because mm-hmm. they are usually over a dollar. Yeah. Yeah, so this is going to be a fun one. Um it looks like a really cool deck. Yeah, and May- the total came out. Yeah, the, what's the total? Yeah, it's somewhere around... Somewhere between 60 and $70 for oh, this whole deck. So very, very cheap. This is awesome. Yeah. Did you order all the cards? Because I, it's like a free deck to build almost. Like well, we put our list on tap down. Yeah. <laughs> it's a free deck. <laughs> Cost the same as like a video game. <laughs> Still quite a bit. You can put the list on tap down, click the link, and it'll send you straight to a Card Kingdom link, and it'll put import every single thing in there. Well, make sure that you go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone and import the link that way so that you're using our affiliate link. Because if you're going to order all these cards to make this really cool deck that's also pretty inexpensive, you may as well support our content while you're doing it. Anybody that uses that affiliate link really is helping to support this show, Game Nights, all of our content. Yeah, that's all we can say about it. It's super simple, too. Yeah, it's just really awesome whenever you do that out there. So Yeah, and this is one of those decks where I think it's going to be really fun to just get and go. Uh, I also kept it nice and lean to the ground. that There's like only two 7CMC cards. Everything else is five and below. But we'll talk more about that in a bit. We also have to mention our other sponsor, Ultra Pro, who is a great, great help to the show. Every single time that we need to outfit our play mats or our desks with something cool, mouse pads in the office, deck sleeves for our decks on game nights, as well as being able to send out all the free swag to you. Ultra Pro is the one that is hand-in-hand with us with us every single step of the way and they've been supporting the show for a long time they make the best product on the market and they will keep your brand new 60 to 70 dollar card deck safe yeah. Not all your decks are going to be $60. Correct. Some of them are going to be more point. expensive yeah. than that, and you probably want to put them in satin towers and eclipse sleeves. But you know, we don't, yeah, we, we, we don't discriminate here. Every card deserves equal sleevage, and Ultra Pro is here to help you out with that. <laughs> Every card. Josh is thinking about his limited decks. Yeah, I'm like, listen, I'll, oftentimes I'll draft a deck and I'll be like, there's nothing good in here. I'm not going to take the time to sleep. And so I don't think every card <laughs> deserves equal sleevage. It's actually a philosophy that I'm going to subscribe to. I subscribe to it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The final way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone. You get a bunch of awesome perks. There are different reward levels. You can hang out with Jimmy and myself on our Discord server. We're on there almost every single day answering mm-hmm. questions, chatting with people and whatnot. Also, you get to do things like see game nights. 
uh, a day earlier than the general public. Um, That's a really cool perk. Also, if you're at certain reward tier levels and you qualify, you can get free merchandise, which has just recently been getting to people. Those cool coins we made last year and the T-shirt. So a lot of a lot of good things you get in return for. You know, also, you get the peace of mind of supporting the content that you like. So, you know, I always like to throw that in there. So, oh, oh, and the final perk here, or not the final, but another perk is that we shout out one lucky patron every single episode. And this episode is dedicated to Rowdy Gray. Rowdy. I was really happy. You rock. That is a cool name. It's a cool name. The the random number number generator yeah. gave us a good one. Oh, one last thing that Patreon members get, our inbox, I just spent all yesterday cleaning it out, but we have a special patron inbox that's much less cluttered and is directly messages direct message from our patrons. So you also get access to that if you become a Patreon of the show. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, okay. All right, main topic, Paco and Haldan. Yes. So let's just get right into it. Let's read the cards. I'm going to do a small discussion uh, about the general strategy and some things to note about the rulings on these cards as well. So the first up is Haldan, Avid Arcanist. This is the first in the two of the partner pairing. Two in the blue for a legendary creature, Human Wizard. He's a 1-4. And the partner's with Paco, Arcane Retriever. So when this creature enters the battlefield, target player may put Paco into their hand from their library, then shuffle. This is if they're both in your deck, if you're playing two-headed giant in general. But however, because they're partners, they can both be in the command zone, so this isn't relevant here. Unless one gets tucked, I guess. <laughs> You'd have to allow it to get tucked. But maybe yeah. you would say, like, well, I'm just going to cast this next turn, so true, I'll skip true. commander tax. I, I can see that coming up. Actually, there is a case where that might happen yeah. with this deck. And the main text of, of Haldan says, you may play non-creature cards from exile with fetch counters on them if you exile them, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells. So you're going to see in a minute here that Paco exiles things and puts fetch counters on them. So Haldan's the card that lets you play mm-hmm. the exiled cards. So let me read Paco here real quick. Paco, Arcane Retriever, three, a red and a green, five mana total for a legendary creature, Elemental Hound. Oof, 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 oof. <laughs> Paco's a three, three. Uh, partners with Haldan. Paco has haste. Don't forget that part because I almost did on game nights. <laughs> we cut that out, but I was like, but Cassius was like, you can swing with it. And I was like, oh crap, it has haste. <laughs> um, and it says, whenever Paco attacks, exile the top card of each player's library and put a fetch counter on each of them. And then you put a plus one, plus one counter on Paco for each non-creature card exiled this way. Whoa. So Paco likes non-creatures, gets bigger. And then Haldan likes when Paco has exiled non-creature spells, sorry, cards, mm-hmm. um, because Haldan lets you play the non-creature cards with fetch counters on them. So pretty easy play sequencing, right? Attack with Paco, get, get a stuff. bunch of stuff, and then Haldan says, oh, we'll use some of that stuff. Yeah. So it's like playing fetch, except Paco in this case is the one creating the things to fetch back. Usually it's the, the fetcher throwing the stick. In right. this case, Paco is kind of going out Well, he's bringing the stick back, and oh, yes. Haldan now has it. To and cast. you can't bring a person back, because nobody fetches a person, right? Unless you're Lassie. Okay, oh, yeah, sorry. Lassie. <laughs> That's the song we said. I don't even know that song. Is there it's, a song? Yeah. What the, about that one really have have song? We're really sad dog movie. Where all uh, the dogs Old Yeller? Old ye- oh, gosh. Never mind. I don't yeah, want to think about just those. Just make us cry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, some things to note about this partner pairing. They don't both need to be on the battlefield at the same time for them to work with each other. So Paco can attack, exile some cards with fetch counters, and then get removed, tucked, whatever. And then if you play Haldan the next turn, he still sees the card because they have fetch counters on them. Paco doesn't need to be around. Um, and then the fetch counters stay on those cards as well when Paco leaves. And Halden plays those cards, so you're not casting them, so you can play lands and do all that fun stuff. That's pretty cool to be able yeah, to get lands. Yeah. That might be the one of the more secretly powerful parts of the deck. Um, I mean, 
Haldan le- does let you spend mana or mana of any color to cast those spells. So it it's not to help you cast the spells that with fetch counters on them, but it's just like, hey, if you don't have a land in your hand, you will hit this land drop. And yeah, so that's card draw. Yeah. Um, and then finally, the fetch counters on the cards, they remain the same. So it doesn't it's not tied to Paco. So Paco could swing once, get removed, come back again, and then swing again. And those cards, those fetch counters are the same fetch counters as the ones he put on before. Uh, Haldan like, just doesn't them. care what version of Paco it just says does it have a fetch counter yeah. I can use it doesn't care uh, but it has to be a fetch counter that you you placed. correct yeah <laughs> if you exile them yeah so you can't so if there like, were two Pacos you couldn't play their Paco stuff that's why they worded it like that that's a headache trying to, to differentiate them. unless Hopefully, there's another fetch counter card that I don't know about which I don't think there is I don't think there is <laughs> okay okay so the general strategy of the deck I think Paco is a really scary card once people understand just how much damage it can do because this has the ability to draw you up to four cards you saw this in game nights if you saw the episode as well Josh when he swang with it it was like wow that's a lot of value and now Paco is huge yeah, I mean, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the new Game Nights, hit pause, go watch it, come back. Those that have watched it, yeah, Paco exiled a lot of cards in that game, but Halden got killed. But if Halden hadn't, that would have been like, I don't know, really probably six thing. to eight cards that I would have had access to that game. Yeah. So, uh, Jimmy, you really you really, you really, screwed me on that one. <laughs> screwed the pooch, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing, though. You're not always going to get four cards, but the thing is, Paco gets the counters before the cards, uh, before he actually hits for damage, so he can hit for even more. Commander damage might be a, a concern here. I mean, so, you're going to get a counter for everything that's not a creature, and most decks, even creature decks, they usually top out somewhere around 35 creatures, and that's only creature decks. A lot that's of decks. really heavy creature decks. Yeah, a lot of decks only have like 20 creatures in them, mm-hmm. which means, like, yeah, you're probably like. I'm going to do quick math. I'm probably a little off, but uh, your your average is going to be over two cards flipped that are non-creatures per flip and probably just a little under three. Yeah, because you have 35 to 40 lands a deck, 20 creatures. That already is more than 50% of someone's deck right there. Land, I mean, lands are good for you, so that's just boom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think people are going to know that they need to remove Paco. So I think the way that this deck works is play Paco as, as fast as you can, hopefully swing in more than once. And then you want to manipulate top decks for the best results on your top deck and also everyone else's top deck. Do something like a board wipe, play Haldan, and then go off from there. So I think that's like the pattern that this deck can really get a powerful start where you kind of have... Exile stuff first and then take advantage of it later. Yeah, don't worry about Paco needing to be on the board for Haldan. If Paco happens to stick around, great. But if you wipe the entire board and now you have Haldan, a bunch of mana, and access to seven more cards, you're going to be in a great spot compared to everyone else. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, so I think that's sort of the pattern it goes by. And also, you know, don't don't get too crazy here. Uh, I think I think the nice part about this deck is that you can get it going by turn five. You can if you ramp out on two and three, you can swing with Paco by four and get Howden out by five, and hopefully cast some spells as well. So that no matter what happens, you're going to be able to generate a lot of advantage pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's break it down by topic. The first topic is top deck manipulation. On yourself. So there are a bunch of cards in the History of Magic that look at the top of your deck or allow you to look at the top of your deck and manipulate it. But most of those are really expensive. I'm thinking yeah. of scroll racks. And <laughs> by the top, we're doing budget here. We're doing super budget. All these cards, again, remember, are under dollar or, you know, right around that dollar amount. I think At some the of them, time of recording. At the time of recording, yeah. Actually, after this video, we all know what happens usually when cards get a little more love to them. Wayfarer's Bobble, we salute you. 
<laughs> that one was Mitch. We were not responsible. Yeah, that's why I said it. <laughs> Love you, Mitch. Um, Hashtag I blame actually, Mitch. I watched a couple of Mitch's rug episodes to yeah. sort of see cards that he had in there, and it was really cool seeing his thought process, so that helped inform me a bit here. Oh, yeah. Mitch's content is great. That's Commander's Quarters, for those that don't know. Definitely actually, before, highly recommend. It, yeah, highly recommend. But before we get into it, I think the one thing I noticed is that cheaper cards cost-wise are more expensive cards CMC-wise. Yeah, so it's like general. a similar effect, but it just costs one mana more. Costs one or two mana yeah. more. So I think in this deck, again, ramp is going to be really important so that you can still keep on pace with other decks that might be more optimized and not budget builds. Okay, top okay. deck manipulation self. Precognition field. Three in the blue for an enchantment. You may look at the top card of your library at any time, and you may cast instant and sorcery spells from the top of your library. Pretty cool. And then you can also pay three mana to exile the top card of your library. Just like, I don't like it. Let's yeah, I don't get like it. it. Get it out of there. Yeah. It could be something that you know you don't need. But more importantly, when you're about to play your commander and swing with it, you want to know, hey, am I going to get a hit off my own library? So this is one of those ways just to give you a little more knowledge, but also occasionally let you cast stuff off the library, give you card draw advantage. It's like an all-around very good card, and occasionally just get rid of the card, too. Even if Paco's not out, just sometimes being able to play the top card of your library, that's card draw right there. So Yeah. yeah. Especially if it's an instant, instant speed, now you're mm -hmm. able to play it. Really tricky. Maybe play two of them. Yeah. Because there could be a sorcery under an instant, and then you're, you're good. This is, next one's a classic. It's Brainstorm. One blue mana for an instant. You draw three cards, and then you put two cards from your hand on top of your library in any order. You don't have to put two of the cards you drew. It's just any two cards. So if you add six cards in hand, you mm -hmm. brainstorm, you'll have nine cards in hand. You can pick any two, put them on top of your library. Again, at instant speed, so you can even respond to the Paco trigger by doing this. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. Uh, also, this is really good before you draw your card for the turn because you're putting two cards on top. You'll draw one, you'll know what the next one is if you're going to swing with Paco that right then. You're going to know what that card is and going to flip. So Straight up, one of the most powerful spells in the history of Magic. It's very innocuous, but it's a card that never costs you anything to put in your deck and always smooths out your draws anyway. Yeah, and it works really well in this deck, again, because you can do the instant speed thing, and you have two cards to manipulate, so you're not drawing the card that you wanted to hit with Paco. Yeah. Um, these next three are all one CMC spells. Uh, they've all seen their play through Modern and then other parts of Magic's history, and not so much in Commander. So there's Lantern of Insight, which is a one-mana artifact and it's players play with the top card of their libraries revealed oh. and then you can tap and sacrifice the lantern of insight to make target player shuffle their library so so this, this is actually both categories both categories spoiler yeah. alert the next category is top deck manipulation for your opponents um yeah so kind of you get to see everybody's yeah and the cool thing is this hoses tutors Oh, because it's seriously, it's, dude, well, it's only, only, only the, yeah, only the top of my library tutors, like yeah. Demonica won't host, but Vampiric and things like that. Yeah. They just won't cast that if you have it, right? Well, yeah. they can still do it on the end step if you don't have the mana open and stuff like that. But, but it's still. also like if you know someone that's... Oh, no, it's, it's no mana, it's just tap and sack it. Yeah, you just oh, tap and sack it. Well, it's great too if someone has a game-ending spell on top of their library, and it's like, oh, that is Craig's Elish Norn. Well, I'm just going to shuffle it away. It's always Craig's Elish Norn, by the way. Yeah, well, I mean, and also Paco can't play it, so... Right, but if you see it's appropriate <laughs> there, you're like, oh, no. yeah. <laughs> Shuffle, or I'm swinging with Paco right now. Yeah, to get that yeah, card. Yeah. And if they try and draw it in response, you can shuffle it away. So there's a lot of little play there. Um, we also have Ghoul Caller's Bell, which is the same thing pretty much. Um, but it's a tap artifact to say each player... It's not the same thing. It's actually very different. You can tap it. Each player puts a top card of their library into their graveyard. Uh, so once I can see the top card, yeah. then I can... Yeah. And that's similar to Codex Shredder, which was a mainstay of Modern for a bit. But I think the parts around it got banned out. So now it's a very affordable card, which also lets you to tap it and make a target player put the top card of their library into their graveyard. And then you can pay a bunch and sack it to bring an artifact or a target card from a graveyard to your hand. Which is so, always good to have that flexibility of like, oh, it's not useful as that first part. I'll just get a card back. 
Yeah, and I think they're... I mean, this is one of those decks where, unfortunately, I think it's going to be pretty annoying um, because you're just forcing people to not play the things that they now know is coming. Right. Like, it would have been better if you just milled it without them. Sight unseen, they don't know what it is. But oh, now there's going to be a lot of, oh, I wanted that. Yeah. <laughs> Rough. Um, and the cool thing about all three of these cards is that they're all fetchable by the very cheap and very affordable Trinket Mage. Oh, yeah. Trinket Mage. Well, they reprinted a lot, that's why. Because this is like a staple It's card. a tutor, right? And yeah, it's like, whoa, because it, it, it gets Soul Ring and all the other things, but you don't actually have to worry about that. Yeah, it's two and a blue for a 2-2. Two, two. When it ETBs, you may search your library for an artifact card with converted mana cost one or less... And then reveal that card, put it into your hand, and shuffle your library. This is goes and gets Soul Ring, Mana Crypts, Sensei's Divining mm-hmm. Top. This is a very CEDH plays this card a lot, but it can work in casuals because you have all those cards in your deck as well. Like not maybe not all of them, but your decks have them. Yeah, you know, sprinkled throughout. Everybody's got Soul Ring. I'll well, bring- actually, this deck doesn't have Soul Ring because it's over a dollar. <laughs> 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 but you've got that's funny but it's still good because it's still good you can was, still fetch three things with it yeah i was gonna say your deck if you look through often has like three artifacts or four artifacts that are one cmc or less like, yeah like a lot of decks do yeah or whatever and so yeah i put trinket making in a lot of decks if i'm not doing that no tutors thing which i'm doing a lot these days but yeah very i think in budget decks this card is actually like you should definitely run it your deck's already budget you don't need to yeah you don't need to limit yourself to no tu- tutors as well they extra shine as well yeah. um and then this is more on the top deck manipulation on theirs which is the wise and snitches <laughs> a random three in the blue creature same as uh precognition field for three in the blue one and three flying players play with the top card of their library is revealed so this again it's gonna cause a headache in the same way that we don't like playing that Urza's glasses card because everyone has to play yeah. it revealed. <laughs> it's one of Craig's favorite cards, but the moment that Top happens, of the deck is a little different. Yeah, it's a little different. It doesn't slow down the game to the point where you have to now account for twenty-one extra cards around the table. It's just one, but it can lead to some feel bads. I mean, you're not always gonna have the ability to move it around. Yeah. So a lot of the time, you're gonna play that card, and it's just gonna let you know what you're likely to get yeah it may, it may affect your timing if everyone doesn't have something great and you're like i don't want to play paco and make everyone just super angry at me then maybe you wait a turn do something else develop ramp whatever it is uh top deck manipulation there is we kind of crossed into this from the past um topic but this is now how ways to sort of mess with their top decks the first one you want to read this one this sure. is a card that i never thought i would see ever again it's dacra mystic it's one blue for a creature merfolk wizard it's a one one but you can play it pay a blue and tap it and each player reveals the top card of their library and then you may put the revealed cards either into their owner's graveyards or if you don't do that each player draws a card so they basically get that card Mm -hmm. so you look at everybody's top card and you say either let's put them in the graveyards or let's draw it yeah this is definitely not one of those cards where you're like definitely play this in decks because you're giving everyone card advantage and you're it costs you a card and a mana and a tapped creature but in this sort of deck this might buy you a little bit of time in terms of goodwill from other players. Let's say you actually, because again, yeah, Paco, somebody might be like, hey, can we please draw that card? Yeah. yeah. Or like, hey, I really need that right now to do this thing next turn, or I'll cast this path on that creature if you let me draw it. Um, it also synergizes with the stuff we just talked about, which is, yeah. you know, if you have other things out there letting you look at the top card, then you're like, oh, I just know I want to put that in the graveyard and look at the next card because hopefully it's right. something better for me. And also, like, 
Paco doesn't hit creatures, so sometimes you're going to want to clear creatures off the top of people's libraries, especially if it's just like a random, you know... Elish Norn. Elish... <laughs> no, Elish Norn. You're no, yes, you do. One. You want to clear that out every time. Yeah. I don't know if you want to put it in the graveyard, but yeah. That's true. <laughs> it, there's a lot... Elish Norn is never safe anywhere, is what I've learned. Um, temporal Spring. So again, if you're able to exile top cards of other players' libraries, that means if you can put something on their library before Paco swings, and be very powerful. This is one green and the blue for a sorcery that's put target permanent on top of its owner's library. So you can get artifacts, lands, enchantments, planeswalkers. All of these things are castable by Haldan once Paco exiles them. Also, you might just want to permanently get rid of the thing, too. Mm -hmm. Like, even if it's not great for you to be casting it. If it's like a creature, right? You can... If it's an Elish Norn, put it on top, exile it. It just goes away forever. Yeah. Now, Craig can't cast that again. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these cards are dependent on having the ability to swing with Paco. Otherwise, it's just a very bad type of removal spell where it's like here is this card it's not the worst it's still caught i think these are underrated right where it costs them the card still because it still costs their next draw step mm-hmm. to, to get it so they just happen to draw another good card but i mean unless you can codex shredder or sort of ghoul color spell out of the way yeah put them in the put the prison as they say but the fact that this targets any permanent i think this mm-hmm. card's really underrated and, and i haven't really seen this around especially for green and blue to get rid of any permanent like that mm-hmm. seems pretty good all right, the next one is Submerge. It's four and a blue for an instant. If an opponent controls a forest and you control an island, you may cast this spell without paying its mana cost. Pretty good chance that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, pretty good chance. So it's often free, and you can put target creature on top of its owner's library. Yeah, so this doesn't hit things that Paco can hit, but again, if you just need to get rid of something for free, by the way, you can play this. You can play Paco and this on the same turn. Get rid of someone's problematic creature, know it's going to be exiled, and maybe hit something off the other decks. Yeah, that's a legit... That becomes a, a free path to exile, right? With no yeah. downside. Deck. Pretty good. Uh, Memory Lapse. This is definitely one that I think is potentially one of the best cards in the deck. It's one in the booth for an instant counter-target spell. If that spell is countered this way, put it on top of its owner's library instead of into that player's graveyard. So, gives you access to now instants and sorceries, which Paco can cast, but typically you can't find a way to tuck them on top of the library. Yeah, they go to expropriate, you put it on top of their library, then you cast it the next turn because you <laughs> attack with Paco. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's busted. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and then these next three all put non-land permanents on top of the library. They all do similar things and uh, at different mana costs. So, there's Expel from Morazka, which if you have a send, you're able to put a target permanent, uh, non-land permanent on top of its owner's library. Otherwise, it just bounces it to its hand, but it's one in the blue. And then there's Vanishment, which is four in the blue, which does the same thing, but you can Miracle it for one. And then there's the very boring, very normal, totally lost, uh, which is just four in the blue to do the same thing. Target, non-land permanent on top of its owner's library. No stipulations, but it's five mana, yeah. Yeah, they're all instants, which is nice. It gets that, that sort of mm-hmm. thing going. I mean, instants really important because you want to be able to do it on your end step and then still have the mana available on your turn once Paco exiles it to use it potentially. You want to have that option. Yeah. Um, This next category called Paco Poos Day... Because it sounds like taco. Uh, this is just <laughs> like how you explained it. <laughs> you know, if everyone's, everyone's like, "What's up, Pooh's Day?" Like, you know what it is. He's a dog. So, he's a dog. Yeah. Know, sometimes he's got to go out. <laughs> we both have dogs. We know how that goes. Yeah, we we know exactly how that goes. <laughs> uh, there are a couple of cards in here that help Paco make sure he can attack uh, and make sure that it can do its job. Um, and Relentless Assault is one of those cards that gives you an extra attack step. Unfortunately, most of these cards are very expensive. Yeah. Or more on the expensive sides, like three to eight to however many dollars. 
Um, so Relentless Assault is the cheapest version of it, where it's just two red red, untap all creatures that attack this turn. After this main phase, there is an additional combat phase followed by an additional main phase. So you get double the triggers up, Paco. Just two try attacks. and swing. Yeah, two attacks. Swinging as much as you can with them to get as many cards off the top of the library. I mean, I think an underrated part of Paco is that it can get very big. Mm-hmm. You know, seven plus. Because it's not a super scary card to a lot of decks until Haldan's the more scary card a lot of times. Totally. Because it's just, Paco by itself is just a creature that gets bigger. Haldan's mm-hmm. the one that's giving you access to the cards. And so they might save their removal for Haldan, which means you might just be swinging with Paco and they're like, haha, you can't use any of the fetch cards. <laughs> you're like, yeah, but it's an 11 11. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, extra combat step kill you with commander damage that's a thing that could definitely happen yeah and it i mean again paco we saw grow how big did he get in game nights 12 12 yeah pretty fast right so it's and the counters add up before combat damage again yeah um then what's the next one this is uh i remember this from limited it's herald of the secret streams three and a blue for a two three merfolk warrior but it says creatures you control with plus one plus one counters on them can't be blocked Ooh. so again paco swings gets the counters and then people go to declare blockers so this allows him to just get in there yeah you don't have to worry and this is definitely if they remove paco early because if you play it on like turn nine even though it's got haste it's only a three three you might not want to swing this helps you with that. Yeah, I like no, the yeah, interaction where counter. it gets the counter before blockers are declared. That's yeah. cool. Uh, Hello, Haldan is the next category. So these are cards that Haldan likes to see around. Um, the first is Rush Me, Eternity's Crafter. We've seen this card a lot. Two green and a blue for a 2-3. Whenever you cast your first spell each turn, reveal the top card of your library. You may cast it without paying its mana cost if it's a spell with a lesser converted mana cost. If you don't cast it, put it into your hand. So, so this synergizes with the cards in the early categories about mm-hmm. your own top deck manipulation. And also just free value. Yeah. You could draw the card, right? It, yeah. it, you don't even have to cast it. It's like, yeah, I'll draw more cards. And because you're going to potentially be getting rid of instants with Paco, Haldun's going to be able to cast them on other players' turns. And you have your own instants, too. Yeah. Um, and then this one is my version of a Dalkin Orrery in the deck. It's Hypersonic Dragon, three blue and a red for a 4-4 four, four dragon, Flying Haste. But it says you may cast sorcery spells as though they had flash. So you can cast them anytime you can cast an instant. I like this. Yeah, I do too. Source, if you turn the sorcery into an instant, it gets busted sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, usually you would shave at least a mana or two off of some the cost of something uh, to to turn it from an instant into a sorcery, right? Yeah. So instants should cost... Should cost uh, sorry, sorceries should cost more if more. they were instants. Yeah. So in a way, it's cheating of mana costs. I mean, I'm not going to... Everybody knows I like flash speed. <laughs> well, I mean, the other thing is, like, the reason that sorceries cost more and they are more powerful is because they don't have the instant, ta- instant tag on them. Yeah, they often balance it by saying, only do this as a sorcery on other things, right? Yeah, so it's like, okay, it's not as bad. Like, you can't, you know, anytime... That's why Nexus of Fate was so problematic. It was take an extra turn at instant speed. Normally, all those spells are sorceries, and they do that to underpower them a little bit. So, again, turning a sorcery into an instant can be really good here, especially if you're getting a lot of those options from your other player's decks. All right, we are going to continue with the deck tech. We have a bunch more categories, a bunch more cool cards to go over. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors. All right, we are back talking about the budget Paco and Haldan deck. Every single card except for the commanders under $1. And this is a really fun one because now we're about to get into the category that I think takes the power level and pushes it up a notch. Now we're getting into the cool stuff? Yeah, because before it's like cool. You manipulate your top, de- top deck, you manipulate there. Sometimes you tuck some stuff to get rid of it. But you're not really taking full advantage of the fact that there is a very powerful part of Paco, which is... You can with Haldan, which is you can play the cards with fetch counters. So that means that lands can come into play. And that means we're going to want to play more than one land a turn. Okay. So more lands, please. Always, 
the best way to win a lot of commander games is to get more lands than anybody else. Yeah, and make everyone definitely very happy with you. Plus, so. you can spend all that mana on the other cards you get with Paco. Yes. So it's like, yeah, the more mana I have, I will have ways to spend it. Exactly. So Journey of Discovery is the first one up. Two and a green for an entwine card. So it's a sorcery. You can choose one. Search your library for up to two basic land cards. Reveal them and put them into your hand and shuffle your library. That's not very good. Or you may play up to two additional lands this turn. And if you entwine it, you pay an extra two in your green and you can actually choose both. So this is one of many budget cards that allow you to play an additional land each turn. Oh, I um, get this. Because normally you would never want to do the second part, which yeah. is pay two in a green and put two lands into play. Because if you don't also draw two cards, that's not card advantage. It's ramp, but you're... Yeah. You're, this in, <laughs> Journey of Discovery costs you a card, so you're down a card when you do that. We've However, all seen the games where I play Exploration, and it's like, oh, he's going off, and you, after two lands, you're like, I don't have any more. Yeah, exactly. That, so did that card really do much for you? But in this case, if Paco has already put fetch counters on you know, a certain number of lands, and you're going to get lands like 40% of the time. Yeah, 30, 35, so two 40%. swings, you should, you should have two lands for sure. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you would actually feel okay paying two green, and you're playing the fetch counter lands for two lands. I mean, also if you just have the mana, you can also, you can pay six and and, go, yeah. and explosive vegetations, but that's a not a great usage of your mana. But, yeah, this is pretty cool. Yeah, unfortunately, cards like Azusa and Oracle of Moldia are not within the budget range, but there are still a lot of ways to get at least a burst of mana this way. And like, right, two and a green for two extra lands in the turn. That's uh, that's better than the cultivate, right? Better than explosive way. vegetation. Yeah, yeah definitely better than, than explosive vegetation, yeah. especially if you're getting like a maze of it or another yeah. cool. What's land that new one deck. called? The better than the cycling explosive vegetation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. better it's, than. Screw this route and all that stuff. All right. uh, The next one is (laughs) another modern, uh, an old card that used to be good in modern, but they kind of banned away this deck. Yeah. It's Summer Bloom, one in a green for a sorcery. You may play up to three additional lands this turn. Oh, I really like this take. Hey. This grouping of cards, very smart. It's very powerful, for sure. It's the same theory, though. Paco's going to exile a bunch of stuff, and a lot of that is going to be lands. And the ability to just be like, one in a green, take three of those lands. Wow, that's really good. If Paco exiles a bunch over the course of a game, you're going to have maybe five, six lands in there. So just being able to continually grab those and bring them back seems like you're going to be able to... I mean, that ramp right there is really powerful. Yeah, Paco is providing the put the lands into your hand, quote unquote, part of the spell that normally wouldn't be there. So that's why we don't usually play these cards. Oh, very good. And with a Haldan, you can play him for two in the blue, and then you'll have, I mean, you already played Paco for five, so you'll have at least six mana the next turn. So that means you can play Summer Bloom, whatever, play those lands, and keep going off and play more things. Oh, you can do Haldan and that in the same turn. And you're not, again, it's not about the mana, like you said, it's not about the color of mana that those lands produce, because Haldan lets you cast for any mana, it's just you're getting more and more lands. So, in the same vein, we have Explore, which is one in the green, where you draw a card and you may play an additional land this turn. Uh, Growth Spiral, same idea. Except that's putting a land from your hand on the battlefield. So Growth Spiral is more like, you know, if you're playing everyone else's lands, that means you can actually hold on to some lands in your hand too. I like that. So you're going to be able to get it out from both sides. And then Enter the Unknown, which was, uh, it's an ex- um, it, it's an Explore card. So it makes the creature that you target Explore, gives the plus one, plus one counter. After you reveal the top card of your library, if it's a land, otherwise you put a plus one, plus one counter, and then the cards, you, know, you can put on your Explore, library. Explore, basically, paper. you look at the top card of your library. I did such a bad job explaining <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> Explore, you look at the top card of your library. If it's a land card, you put it into your hand. If it's not a land card, you put a 1-1 counter on your creature, and then you put that uh, that card either into your graveyard or keep it on top. Back on top, right, which is great for You, you surveil, basically, if it's not a land, and if it's a land, you put it in your hand. Yeah, and if it's Paco and it's a creature, and you're like, I don't want that, I want it to exile a non-creature spell, you can put it into the graveyard. Uh, and enter the unknown says you may play an additional land this turn. 
oh, that's pretty great. Yeah, so it has a lot of, like, this is one of those great cards when you're making a budget deck where you go, wow, every single part of this card synergizes. Because I mean, Paco, the- are these game Blossom Blossom counters in the way, you know? Yeah, a great play pattern would be like, yeah, on turn four, let's say you ramp somehow, you attack with Paco and you exile, you know, a land. On turn five, you exile two lands. Mm-hmm. So now you've got three in there. Play Haldan, play like two of these spells, play the three lands out of your graveyard, and or sorry, out of the exiled fetch counter. Mm-hmm. And now you've got like eight mana in play for the next turn. Even if they kill Paco, you can pay for you it. Pay him, play it again, yeah. And if not, then you have a ton of mana to cast the other fetch counter spells. Yeah, this is, this is that's cool. Yeah. And, and there are the other people's lands, so you're like, ha. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to play a budget deck but still play dual lands? Yeah, ha. Here's your chance. <laughs> I got your underground C. Yeah. Ha. This one is, I, I like the idea too that you can replay the commander over and over again. So you're just going to want to have a lot of mana. And that's something that green can do no matter what the budget is. Yeah. There will be a way for you to get a ton of mana out there. So may as well dig into that. Oh, green decks. Uh, and as a result, the three bounce lands are going to be very good in this deck as well because you can also bounce your own lands back, play them again, or you, the extra land drop you have is going to be a bounce land and the land you just bounced. So you're going to get a lot of mana that way. And oh, because you can use these if Paco's not out or has an exiled lands yeah. in conjunction with the like Summer Bloom cards to just get your value just get a bunch yeah. of other tap lands out in the play and again you're, you're you're trying to gain as much value before people really sniff out <laughs> how dangerous things might get for them we've said this before but bounce lands are just kind of underrated now you don't want a ton of them in every deck this yeah. one i think does want all three but i often want one bounce land in my deck because in the right draws bounce lands draw you a card yeah 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 all right, the next category is your lands, please. So this is what to do with your opponent's lands after you've played them. And there are a couple of cards that I think <laughs> are a little mean, but also at the same time guarantee that you're not ever hitting a dud. I don't know if these are mean in this context. Yeah, at least they kind of get it back, right? Right, exactly. I mean, they're never getting it if you just have it. And if it's in exile, they're not getting it. Right. So, But if you have Harrow, which is two and a green for an instant, and as an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a land... You would sacrifice their land, right? Because they have I some don't know, land that you can't, you can't tap for the right mana. Yeah, or, they have a planes, and it's like that's not that useful to me. Sacrifice it with Harrow, and Harrow says, "Search your library for t- up to two basic land cards, put them onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library." So you turn those into, you get one additional land than you had before, and they're both useful to you as far as colors now. Yeah, which I think is important because you might, you know, if you have like five lands or three lands and some ramp, and then all of a sudden everything's other colors, it's actually going to be hard to cast your own deck. Right. So Spring Bloom Druid does the same thing. And then I kind of went the Josh Lee Choir route of like, I want to be able to add mana of any color on the lands that I steal in case they're really not useful. Like let's say they are just a bunch of basics or a bunch of lands that you can't use. So Fertile Ground um, is one of those enchantments that whenever enchanted lands tap for a mana, its controller adds an additional one mana of any color. Um, and then these cards anyway. New Horizons does that, but it adds a plus one, plus one counter. And Weirding Wood does, Wood does the same thing, but it gives you a clue token. So yep. same world of things. That's cool. And they actually make the land tap for more, a couple of these. So that's yeah. their ramp on their own. Yeah. I, I, yes, I'm well known to like the uh, land enchantments ramp cards. They're underrated too. In this case, and there are a couple of two that like draw you a card when they come in, but they're not mana positive. So you can put those in there as well. It's sort of like your, what, your, what you want to do here. All right, let's talk about the big, exciting, high CMC stuff here. <laughs> the start ending the game category. Notice it doesn't say end the game. Start, begin to end it. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, in a deck like this, especially when you're not, you don't have access to the really powerful game enders, you have to do cards that like get you close. Yeah. I think with budget decks and everything. But thing, you are going to use your opponent's decks yes. to hopefully fill in some of these gaps. Like, 
it's this deck is budget, but that doesn't mean their deck is. You might get, you know, a really expensive card off of their deck that you can yeah. then cast. Yeah. I'm kind of taking a cue from Jacob and other people that have done clone player style decks uh, because this is a great way to equalize the playing field. Yeah, and we talked about it. Like, they can't really get mad that your deck is more powerful than theirs. I'm just using the stuff in your deck, so, yeah. yeah. Totally. Okay, uh, the first up is Diluvian Primordial. Oh, yeah. Five blue blue for a five five with flying. When Diluvian Primordial enters the battlefield for each opponent, you may cast up to one target instant or sorcery card from that player's graveyard without paying its mana cost. If a spell cast this way, it would be put into a graveyard this turn, exile instead. Now, when Haldan casts the spells that you're grabbing with Paco, it actually puts them into their graveyard. Yeah. So you're going to be able to recast something really powerful if you can play your Diluvian Primordial a little later in the game, or even like by turn six or seven, I could see this being really impactful. Generally, Diluvian Primordials like late in the game are very powerful because just stuff has been cast. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I did this once and I got a Fury Storm and and, uh, and a Time Stretch. And it was oh. like, oh, well, that's the game. Fury Storm is also in this deck as another way to play your opponent's cards even better. Fury Storm. Put it in all the decks. It's good. so good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> seriously, I don't know how many games I've won with Fury Storm. It's furious. It's, it's re- it is powerful. Once you get late in a game, if you just hold up the four mana, there's many games where you're like... This will win me. It's because someone's going to try and Torment of Hellfire or do something. Do something big, yeah. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Tangent, because we're not actually talking about Fury Storm. <laughs> Should we read what Fury Storm does just so they know? It's two red red. It's a fork spell, but you copy it for each time you've cast your commander, a commander from the command zone this game. So, And this is a partner deck, so you're going to have two triggers if you cast both your commanders once. So that's three copies of a spell, because it always copies once. And then it says, oh, you've cast your commander, a commander, twice. So three copies of what, and so somebody goes, yeah, yeah some, what happens is somebody's Torments of Hailfire, <laughs> you know, to try and end the game for 10, and you go, Fury Storm. Triple copy. I'll make three copies of it, and mine are going to resolve first. You, you, and you. So you're dead by the time that it would get around to the time yours would resolve. Or just you three times, yeah. yeah. Expropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anything <good>. big. <laughs> All right, the next one is, an, uh, actually, along a similar lines, it's Swarm Intelligence. Yep. It's six in a blue for an enchantment. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you may copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. Oh, this is cool because even the spells you cost out of exile with fetch counters, that's you casting. That's you casting them. Instant or sorcery, boom, I get two of those. Yeah, and even if, like, like, worst case scenario, it's like, sure, you cast a cultivate, you cultivate it twice. I would be okay with that if things weren't too dangerous around the battlefield. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the three mana, explosive vegetation, draw me two cards. That's still great. This is any time, too. So if yeah. you cast multiple instants and sorceries, it'll copy multiple instants and sorceries. Yeah, and this deck I built to have like 15 ramp cards because some of them have double purpose and yep. some of them are put more lands into play. So there's a lot of ways to ramp up. And oh, I also man. put with, like Summer Bloom, if you've mm-hmm. exiled enough cards, it could be like get two summer blooms put six lands into play <laughs> holy crap that'd be sweet yeah and then the other big thing in this deck for card draws they're all like x card draw spells at instant speed because you're going to want to hold up mana over other players turns if you have instants up with fetch counters so you can play them and sort of be interactive that's cool yeah so that's the budget deck tech in a nutshell if we had a bigger budget seaborn muse would definitely be in this deck um, I could see you playing something like a Chromatic Lantern as well because you're going to be grabbing a lot of lands. You may have you can play a little bit less of the sort of your lands, Fertile Ground, New Horizons type thing. Um, and then all of the, you get more attack step cards are really powerful. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just to swing multiple times. Yeah, I think the competitive version of this deck is like mana vaulting out, mana crypting out uh, Paco by turn three or two, swinging multiple times, getting tons of attack steps, and then setting up a very Codex Shredder-y like, control-based state with Haldan and the, and the spells you've exiled. I think that's how it works out. Yep, yep. 
Uh, Sword of Feast and Famine seems really good if you yes, got that because yes. Paco's Bear gonna, Umbra because Paco's going to exile the cards and then you're going to untap your lands and cast the cards right now maybe yeah yeah that's cool not budget though <laughs> I like this deck as you've built it and I think that um, Paco and Haldan does make a good uh, target I was going to say it's it's a good choice for a budget deck mm-hmm. because like we said this is the type of deck that's going to scale to the table you're playing a bunch of cards that your opponents have in their deck. And Jason Alt, who is a sort of the, um, he's the person that came up with the 75% theory, if you've heard of it, for Commander. And he always says, well, if a, a, usually a player is equipped to handle the level power level of cards that are in their own deck. Mm-hmm. And so that's got to be an even power level. I'm just playing with your cards. Now, obviously, one deck's more powerful from your opponents and the other two aren't, and you're playing their cards, maybe it won't be even. But this has a really good chance. And again, when Jacob was on Game Nights, that was kind of the type of deck he was playing too. Yeah. And they're very fun to play with and against, I think. Yeah. It's not like Send Triplets where they're stealing the cards from their hand too. Oh, this God. is stealing it from their deck. So it's not cards they, they don't like... They haven't had it. A it chance doesn't take to draw. a resource from them, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's definitely a, a much more fair version of how that happens. But the nice thing is that again, every game is going to be different. It's it's this is the type of deck you can open up at any table, I think, and do fairly well. Mm-hmm. If not, find a way to like sneakily grab a win because again, just being able to play these spells, spend any mana of those any color, you don't need to worry about having different like you know all mana color generators in your deck. And you might just take out like even if they're a powerful combo deck, you might just exile. Right, their powerful combo piece, and they're like, "Uh, I really Whoops. need that food chain to not be exiled." Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and Codex Treader is one of those cards again that will just do a lot of work over a game if if people don't realize what's what's happening. All right, to the listeners, what do you think about Paco and Haldan? If you could go in any direction, or you you know you don't have to worry about budget. What would you do with the deck? How would you brew it? Mm-hmm. I would love to know. And of course, if you guys want to pick up this deck right now, you can check out the tapped out link right below. And if you click the link, it's going to give you a full text list that you can just copy over and go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone, enter our affiliate link and buy the deck just right then and there. One button click. It's really simple. And you'll have the entire thing at your doorstep really quickly because Card Kingdom, known in the business for their extremely fast shipping, great grading on their cards, and also have an amazing buyback program as well. So lots of different ways to interact with them there. And of course, you get the peace of mind, like Josh said, that you're supporting our great content. Uh, and when you get all those cards, I know this is a budget deck, but you still don't want them to get all banged up. True. And often, I don't know if you do this, but often when I'm building a deck and, you know, I come across the cards that are only 25 cents, I'm like, I'll just buy the foil. It's only a dollar. Yeah, it's like, or even 50 cents or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you definitely want to put the foils into sleeves. So make sure you use Ultra Pro Eclipse sleeves when you do that. And it doesn't have to be Eclipse, actually. They use their Eclipse technology on all of their sleeves now, even the printed ones. So if you have like guild theme sleeves like you know Rakdos mm-hmm. sleeves for my Obosh deck or whatever we've shown this before but in a, and Prof's done it on his reviews those sleeves now are very sturdy if you do the stretch test where you oh, like pull hard. on the sleeve it's very hard to even pull them apart so Ultra Pro makes really really good stuff to protect your stuff and uh, we use them on all of our decks are the, the deck boxes they have too are super sturdy I've traveled with them all around the world drop them bang them up and the things inside stay in great condition yeah that's the best endorsement we can give them we actually use their product so yep. big thanks to Ultra Pro for sponsoring all of our content alright now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. I got one. Okay. It's another show. Uh, this one is on Hulu, and it is by one of the two creators of Rick and Morty, Justin Roiland. Okay. So it's called Solar Opposites, and if you like Rick and Morty, you will like this show. It's oh. got a lot of the same aesthetic style. The characters look kind of similar. They even sound a little similar. 
It's like when... Well, hey, I like Seinfeld and I like Curb Your Enthusiasm. Exactly. So. <laughs> and I liked, I liked uh, The Simpsons and Futurama, right? Yeah, so right. it's kind of got that feel to it. It's about an alien uh, uh, family that crash lands on Earth after their planet's destroyed by an asteroid. And they are, uh, it's like a dad, his son, his younger uh, like bounty hunter friend or son. I'm not even sure what their full family relationship is and the daughter. And they're trying to integrate with the human world. But it's cool because it's got a lot of similar Rick and Morty-esque humor. Pretty dark, pretty violent. So if you're on the younger uh, or the more squeamish side, don't watch it. And a lot of it, too, is like tons of commentary on humans. Like they're they're like they like there's a point where they look at the mini can of diet coke and they're like I can't believe humans drink this stuff and then later on in the episode someone's seen chugging it and it like correlates with how they're acting in the episode so you get a lot of like these sort of like slide jabs at humanity which I think are really fun. Cool. What's solar opposites. Solar opposites. Well, this at this moment we are all searching for more things to yes. do while we're at home. So <laughs> I hey. was literally sitting there. I was like, hey, I like Rick and Morty. Uh, yeah, I'm at the end of the streaming services that I've got. I'm like. Going through and being like, oh, I tried it, didn't like it, tried it, I've already watched that, already watched that, and now I'm just like, dang it, they need new stuff. <laughs> Dude, that's a rough place to be in. Yeah, it really is. All right, uh, big thanks to our editing, graphics, and logistics team, which is Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Alfred Estaca, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, and Sam Waldo. Woohoo! And of course, big thanks, as always, to Jeffrey Palmer, who does the living card animations that live behind us here on set, as well as on our YouTube channel, starting and ending each episode at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. You can find Jeffrey online on Twitter at livingcardsmtg. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. And keep on fetching. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs>